glad you're here. And uh, we've got kind of a panel with us today that's representing the nuts and bolts of ministry. A lot of different uh, departments here. So Jeff Cal is here with our life safety and medical. So life safety is security, all of those uh, behind the scenes, ins and outs, uh, when people come on campus. And then we have Pastor Mel Waters, and he is with our marriage and family pastoral care, um, funerals, grief, counseling, um, a wealth of information, and a wonderful man. Then we have David Grothy, and he is also a marriage and family pastor, pastoral care, and my dad. Um, so I love him. And then this is Becky Grothy. And she is our member and guest relations pastor and also uh, kind of fellowship one, um, just, I would say, nuts and bolts. <laughs> She's uh, the thing that keeps it together. So, and this is also my mom. And then we have Beth Vicaro, and she is our dream team director. Dream team is our volunteers. So we're going to hit a little bit about that. And she also does membership and guest relation. And then uh, we have Damon Bailey. And um, I'm going to pass off to him. He is our hospitality director. And hospitality here at New Life Church uh, represents kind of our uh, maintenance, our grounds, um, kind of the very first preparing the church for all of our members and our guests to come in. So Damon Bailey. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. Thanks for coming in. Um, so I... I am Damon Bailey. I'm, I'm here. Uh, I'm the, the director of hospitality. I've been on staff here for about 16 years, a little over. Uh, I've grown up at New Life Church. This is really my home away from home and uh, love it dearly. Um, and I'm privileged to be a part of this team and um, uh, loving the opportunity to stand before you this afternoon. So I hope you guys are enjoying your time and that this, is, this has been a truly restful um, uh, conference for you, that you're your rhythm is, is being put in place. So um, I want to give you a little idea of what hospitality is like here. Um, to to kind of start you off, hospitality in more traditional terms, if, if, you, if you understand what facilities management is, that's what we are. Um, it, it's, it's the very ground level basic idea of, of, of what we do. But it's, it's only the beginning aspect, and that's really kind of what I want to share with you this afternoon. Um, our primary purpose in, in hospitality is, is to prepare the way. Uh, our, our job is simply to make sure that ministry is possible here on our campus. And that happens uh, in, in two major ways, two elements. Uh, one is in what we call events care. Events care is... Our reservations, our setup and teardown teams, our housekeeping team, uh, they're the ones that kind of keep everything organized and running smoothly. The chairs you're sitting in uh, were taken care of by that team. Um, the other side of our department is what we call maintenance care. Maintenance care is, is mechanical. Uh, it's making sure that uh, everything that is, has moving parts in it uh, is workable. Uh, that, so that's everything from our HVAC systems on our roof to the doorknobs uh, around campus. So anything that's, that's got movable parts, we're the ones that make sure that it remains movable, that, it, that it's usable. Uh, maintenance also cares for the grounds of the campus. 
Um, we're, we're the ones that make sure the, the grass is cut, that the trees are alive, the flower beds are looking good. Um, in the wintertime, we're the ones out there shoveling the snow and making sure everything is clear. Um, and, and so basically what our job is from this standpoint, the, the practical aspect of what we do uh, is to make sure everything looks good, feels good, smells good, and operates well. We do that, we've successfully prepared the way. Um, now before I move on to the, 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 the other element, the other side of what we do, uh, I want to give you a little word picture. The, a couple years ago in a prayer meeting, the Lord gave me a picture of what hospitality is supposed to be. So when, we, when I say prepare the way, um, this, will, this will hopefully give you a really good idea. Uh, the Lord gave me this basic picture. If, you're, if you live in a state where you get snow, you, you probably have a good idea of what a snow plow is. Um, you know, it, here in Colorado, the, the snow dumps, and we get these big trucks out there, and they got this big blade on the front of it, and they, they start pushing the snow all over the place so that everybody can drive safely. Well, that was the picture the Lord gave me. Uh, he basically showed me this giant truck driving down the road, pushing all the snow out of the way, and behind it was a line of vehicles driving on nice, safe, clear ground. And, and basically what he was saying is, Damon, this is your job. You're here to prepare the way for ministry. If you do your role the way you're supposed to, ministry will take place without hindrance. You will have a bunch of pastors and leaders who can come in and do their job without worry. They won't have to worry about the temperature of the room. They won't have to worry about uh, whether a room was set up right or the trash was taken out. But then again, he took it deeper than that. He wanted me to understand that preparing the way is not just caring for the physical aspect of the church. It's ensuring that the spiritual climate is healthy as well. And that's really what I want to emphasize here, that the reason we don't call ourselves facilities management as, as the traditional term is used, and we, the, the reason we use the word hospitality is because our role is about creating an atmosphere that is welcoming. It's, it's homey. People can step on to this campus and know they've, they've, they're welcome. They're, they're okay here, that this, this is their church. They can come in, they can kick their feet up, they can go uh, do, fulfill their ministry, and they don't have to worry about anything else. And they can feel comfortable in the midst of it. Um, that idea was built in my heart uh, when the Lord took me to Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, um, you see what I call the formation of the very first hospitality staff. Um, if you're familiar with that section of scripture, it's the chosen seven. It's, it's seven men who were, were picked to basically serve. Uh, but there, there was a certain criteria they had to make. When, when you read through verses one through seven, you, you see that these men were needed. They were chosen. Uh, they were chosen because they were full of the spirit and full of wisdom. They, they, they didn't just go out and, and pick some guys off the street to come in and do the church's dirty work. They were as much ministers of the gospel as the apostles were. And that's, that's even more exemplified if you read beyond Acts chapter 6 and into chapter 7, you see the story of Stephen, who was one of those seven. The scripture says he did miraculous signs and wonders. He, he, uh, he, he was full of understanding. He did what Jesus did. He frustrated the Pharisees he, to the point where they martyred him. Uh, he, he became the church's first martyr. And, and so he, he's a hero of our department because that's who we want to be. We want to be those type of people. Sure, we want to show up and we want to make sure the, the building is operating well. But we want to make sure that we're, we're truly preparing the way spiritually, 
that, that we're building ourselves with the same ideas as we see in Acts chapter 6. So in Acts chapter 6, uh, not only does it, 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 it give us the criteria, but it shows us how much the apostles thought of these people. Uh, once they were chosen, they were set into place. They took time, they stopped, they laid their hands on them, they prayed them into place, and then they let them loose uh, to go serve. And, and in that, the, the, the verse 7 uh, is one of my favorite verses of, in Scripture. It, it basically says that once these men were set into place, doing what they did, the church exploded. Uh, people started turning to Christ. Leaders were set into place. And the Lord basically was saying, Damon, if you do your job this way, the church will grow. And, and so I recognize that not every church out there has the ability to staff a large team but every church has to have a group of people who take on this type of role, whether it's facilities management type work or, or any, any area where you, you can, it can fall into the category of helps. Uh, anything that is supporting the ministry, uh, this is the same type of attitude that group needs to be able to carry. Um, so when we build our team, we take these things into mind. We, we want to build a team that is first and foremost, servants. If you have to nail us down with one word, that we, we, we try to be a team that just simply serves. Uh, and, and certainly there's practical ways that we do that, as I mentioned, but what it really boils down to is having a team that's full of people with open eyes and open ears, constantly looking and listening for ways to help, ways to serve, ways to care for people. Um, we build our team with leadership in mind. We, we want to see people who have uh, an idea or a, a gifting of leadership stirring in them. Whether, whether it's full, full grown in them or not, we want to, we, if we recognize it, we want to bring them on. We want to know that we're bringing in spiritually mature people. We, we know we're not going to bring in a bunch of spiritual doctors into our world, but we want to know that they love the church, they love what we're doing, they understand the purpose, and, and they're ready to serve. And with that, then, we want to make sure that we build into them. That, we're, that their time here isn't just doing, you know, checking off some boxes, doing some duties, going home, collecting a paycheck. What their role is is to serve and to grow and to become who God called them to be. So not only are they helping ministry happen, but they're being ministered to on our team as well. We, we kind of lovingly call that the school of hospitality. Uh, in, in my experience, uh, I, I've learned that there's more that you can learn getting on your knees and getting your hands dirty, serving the body of Christ, then you can never get sitting in a classroom or listening to a sermon. Those are great places, but there is something God stirs in your heart when you're serving and you're doing ministry at the ground level. So our heart is that when God calls them out, they're leaving with something more than a few pay stubs. Uh, they're taking what they gained here and taking it to wherever they're going. Um, we promote uh, an idea uh, of being given to hospitality. We want to create a team that is constantly working to, uh, to produce an atmosphere that is conducive to prayer, to worship, to ministry. Um, th this is an idea found in Romans 12. Uh, it's learning to, to, to be given to this idea of hospitality. Uh, we, want, we also recognize uh, that 
we have a responsibility to help build unity on at New Life Church. We have a lot of working parts. We have a lot of different departments doing a lot of different things at the same time. And we are one of the only departments in this church that tends to work with all other departments. So we recognize that it's our responsibility to help bring everybody together. So we do that in, in a number of different ways, um, one of which is we have what we call connection meals. We try to meet with all the departments. Um, we, we cook them a meal, a breakfast, a lunch. We meet with them. We hear their hearts. We learn about what they're doing so that we know how to serve them better. And we take time to pray with them. Um, and then we help them connect the dots with other, other departments as well, so that we are truly working as a unit. Um, we want to we work with what we call a why attitude. Um, we all know what we do. We have job descriptions. We, we, we know the, the, the duties, the responsibilities we're supposed to fulfill. But if that's the only place we, we work from, then what we're doing is simply a job. But as, again, as if, if we look at Act 6, we recognize there's something deeper than that going on here. And we want to make sure that we understand why we do what we do. So we teach our team constantly the purpose behind the job, why we're here, the eternal implications that are at stake, and how we can influence the growth of the church. Again, Acts 6, 7, when we're doing what we're doing the way we're supposed to, the church can explode. Um, if we're going to produce an atmosphere that's conducive to worship, we have to be worshipers ourselves. So we work as unto the Lord. We, we teach our team constantly. Everything we do, whether you're cleaning a restroom or you're filling up a gas tank or you're mowing the grass out front, it's an act of worship. We're, we've got to steward the resources God gives us. And when we do our job as unto him, he's honored. And, when, and he responds to those who respond to him. And so it, when we do our work as unto him, he opens doors we could have never opened on our own. And that just kind of leads to the last, this last idea. We, we recognize that if we're going to be a true Acts 6 ministry, we have to be a team that prays. Uh, so we, we recognize not only should we be cleaning the restrooms and making sure the HVAC units are working, but we need to be praying for our leaders. Uh, we need to be praying and covering them uh, to ensure that their ministries are being fulfilled. So actually right here in this room, every Wednesday afternoon from 3 to 4, our team stops at what they're doing. We come in here, and we worship, and we pray. And over a month's period of time, we'll pray over every department in the church. Uh, from there, we'll go out, and we'll pray over different leaders. Uh, we'll spend a little time teaching, edifying ourselves. But uh, we spend that time just worshiping, praying, just covering our staff, making sure uh, that they, their, their, their way of ministry is prepared. Um, and, and so that, that, the goal is, again, to prepare the way, to ensure that the road is clear so that our pastors and our leaders can, can fulfill the things that God has put on their heart. So that's hospitality. Awesome. Thank you, Damon. I wonder how many of you guys in this room are um, senior pastors? Okay, so we got a few senior pastors. Okay, you guys can... Give me a few bucks after this because I'm getting ready to give everybody a heads up real quick. Um, in April, our senior pastor had a meeting where he called all of the staff, all of the volunteers, um, anybody who was in charge, and we filled the tent, and he just had something burning on his heart. And the thing that was on his heart was before he gets up to speak, so he gets up 42 minutes after the hour, he gets the microphone to speak. There is already over an hour of ministry that has happened in the building that he has no control over. 
he has zero control over. So when he gets up at 45 after, and he has this, heart, this message burning on his heart, but people haven't been ministered to the first hour they've been in the building, he's already going, I don't really have that good of a shot. I mean, the Lord's really going to have to kind of cover some of the stuff that's happened. And so maybe while you guys were in here, you noticed a little bit Mr. Huffy and Puffy right over here coming in, making a scene. Um, We've got, you know, this woman over here fanning herself. She's hot. We've got a few crying babies that are in your front row. Um, We've got a guy that walked in with a hoodie and a backpack. They were all going, does anybody see the guy who's come in in a hoodie and a backpack? Um, who else do we have in this room? Oh, we've got um, someone over here who's needing a little bit more assistance. So there's a lot of ministry that has already happened in this room that I don't know if any of you guys were aware of as you guys were coming in. And so creating maybe, and I don't even know if it's called creating, it's kind of cultivating in us um, kind of the parking lot to pew mentality of service, of ministry, of before the pastor gets up to speak, what ministry have we done? I mean, my favorite thing on Sunday morning is when I pull in this parking lot, it's like, okay, Lord, I've got my to-do list. I've got my task. It's Sunday morning, 7.30, I'm pulling in. And what I have to do is mentally get that off my mind. Because if I come in driven with logistics, if I come in driven with my own tasks, I'm really going to miss the woman walking in that I mean, Sunday mornings, we have women walk in, and they've got two or three kids, and they walk in, and you're like, hi, how are you doing? Start in tears. Well, I just left the house. My husband said he's not coming to church with us. I'm going to have to be the spiritual leader. I've got these kids. It's so hard. They're failing school. And you're like, okay, if I had my, okay, go turn on my computer and print this out, or I've got to send this email, or I've got to, it would be like, really nice to meet you. So sorry, I've got to go. You know, and I know that it's really hard because we all come to church on Sunday mornings and some of us work Monday through Friday somewhere else. And then we show up on Sunday and we're ready to do ministry, but it's our first time in the building all week long. And so it's really tempting to run to our desk and pull out what we need to do. But I want to really encourage you guys to um, seek the Lord about Lord, what does parking lot to pew ministry look like? What does it look like to really be the hands and feet without being the senior pastor? Lord, what does it look like to meet the practical needs of people? Um, I used to do children's ministry here. And, you know, we would, we would want, like, pay attention, Johnny. You know, hear this sermon. You want Jesus in your heart. And all they're going is, no one's been nice to me all week. My parents fight all week. Or my school, I don't like school. And so their ears and eyes and heart are not tuned to what the Lord is wanting to say to them right now because practically they're starving for love or practically this mom's starving for, does someone have diapers? Can, you know, I brought a pack of diapers. Sunday morning, I mean, we have diapers just on hand and it's like when we see people come in, we're like, oh my gosh, practically what do they need? They need a coupon to the cafe for lunch after church so that the single mom does not have to go home after she's gotten three kids ready and she's here at church by herself and then she's got to go home and do lunch and she's got to do... You know, just thinking outside of, you know, what does the Bible say, which that is so amazing, but also what practically can we do to be the hands and feet of the Lord? And what practically can we do to make people feel seen and heard when they arrive into church? Because the senior pastors know that they can get up and they can have a God-breathed message that the Lord, yes, can touch their hearts and penetrate their hearts, but it's also very helpful if that 40 minutes 
or hour before, you know, practical needs are being helped. And, you know, if the senior pastor is having to go, can someone help this woman over here with her children, please? Or can someone please be on this guy who is making me feel a little bit uncomfortable? Or can someone please go and, you know, help this husband and wife who's totally fighting? Can someone just go over and, you know, let them know they're available during the week to take them out to dinner, to you know, counsel them. Can somebody please make sure that people when they come in feel like they're not a burden, but that they're, we're glad they're here and we can get them a front row seat or that kind of stuff. Um, I've got some notes here that Pastor Brady kind of taught, um, talked to us on creating a culture of hospitality. And that is just kind of our parking lot to pew ministry is when people come in asking the right questions, not like, is this your first Sunday? Well, actually, Pastor, I've been here for three years. Oh, great. You know, open mouth, insert foot. There you go. You know, but like, how long have you been here? Well, this is my first Sunday. Oh, wow. Or how long have you been here? Well, actually, I've been here four years. Tell me more about, you know, whatever. So there's questions that you can ask. Um, I was kind of kicking this around with my brother and um, kind of where the state of economy has been, you know, asking people, what do you do? What's your job? Well, some people feel shame about that right now. You know, they don't, they don't have anything that they're passionate about to tell you about. So to, you know, be like, what job do you do? Well, actually, I don't really have a job. So kind of like asking questions like, how do you spend your days? What are you passionate about? Like some of those things are not like directed towards your value of what you can say you do, but more your heart and your soul. So kind of creating the culture, um, being aware, you know, when you come on your church campus, um, if there's 10 people or if there's 100 people, knowing that God specifically called and appointed those certain people into your building for such a time as this. And sometimes I can be the first to say, you get disappointed at the expectation you thought it was going to be like. So then you wrestle with this like, well, gosh, Lord, this didn't look like how I thought it would be. Like I had this plan in my mind and, you know, everyone was going to come in. It was all going to work out. And there's a few messes I got to clean up. And so you start to wrestle instead of going, okay, Lord, for such a time as this, this person that I've met today is exactly who I'm supposed to run into. What I'm supposed, you know, ask the Lord, what am I supposed to say? How can I practically serve them um, so that they can better receive from you? Um, another thing that we talked about uh, with our volunteers is um, I can't leave my post. I cannot leave my post. I have been told to stand right here. And so when someone comes in, I cannot leave my post. No way. So if someone comes to you, we've been telling our staff and our volunteers and everything, if someone walks up to you, can you show me, thank you guys, if you need to go, these are our DLA kids, can you give them a hand, our students, woohoo! Um, if someone comes up to you, I would encourage you, if it's, a, if it's a cultural thing that you have to talk with your church staff about or your leaders about to kind of get the okay, but I would encourage you guys to start a conversation. Um, would you rather have someone stand on a dot and point to somebody and have to walk and find their way? Or would you rather say there's a freedom to leave your usher spot, even though that is so important, quickly get back there, please. But leave your spot, go take the person where they need to go. Hey, this is Katie, Jeff. Katie has two kids. Her and her husband are from Colorado. And you know what? She loves the mountains. Here you go, Jeff. Walk away, you know. Um, But you guys creating a culture to be able to um, leave your spot, kind of Leave the task at hand, even though that's so important, but make sure that you're just practically serving people and, um, you know, asking them questions that you would want to be asked instead of just awkward time filler questions where you really 
you know, don't care. But um, I'm going to have these available if you guys kind of want to look. There's some suggestions on questions. Um, I thought, you know, Romans 12, 9 says, love must be sincere. So there's sometimes, you know, where we're all wrestling with our own stuff when we come to church. Just pray, Lord, give me a sincere heart to love this morning. Give me a sincere heart because I'm telling you, when you ask that, it's amazing this, the situations you're going to get yourself in where you walk away. Some Sundays I get in the car, I'm like, Lord, just this small little thing was like the most, the biggest blessing of my whole life. The fact that last Sunday, a girl is running from Utah. She was just running in workout clothes along this road. And she saw the parking lot full. And so she came in. She's sweaty. I told them she had earbuds hanging down, you know, her music. She had on yoga clothes. And she's like, what's this place? Like, I'm from Utah. I'm just in town visiting a friend. What is this big place? The parking lot's full. What is this? I'm like, it's a church. This is a church? Yeah. Can I get you a drink? Go to the cafe. Would you like to go in our worship service? I can't go into church like this. No, you totally can go into church like that. Walking in there, just hearing she just got a divorce. She needs a fresh start. She's moving to Colorado, and the Lord brought her running across Voyager and New Life Drive and brought her into the building. So September 25th, which is in two days, she signs her lease. She's going to be coming to New Life. Like things like that, that you're like, God, just one story. She didn't get saved. We had lunch, and she's not quite close to being saved yet. Trust me, in that conversation, I was like, what do I do, Lord? Do I, do I go in for the kill, or do I just kind of still keep loving her? Felt like I should keep loving her. But, you know, exchange text messages. I mean, I know some of you guys have to have, like, barriers. I love to give my phone out, and I just tech, I title it high maintenance if I know I shouldn't answer it. But a lot of times I'm like, they just need, people just need to know that there is someone out there. If it's midnight and they are, they are down and out and they are discouraged, oh, there is someone I can call because they sincerely love and care. You know, and, and it's, I mean, may, if people who have trouble with boundaries, maybe you'll have to give yourself a pep talk. But it takes two or three minutes to really impact their life. It does, it's not like going to take weeks and weeks and months and months. I mean, I have random people's phone number on my phone that I go through. I'm like, who is that? I don't even remember because it was a one-week thing, and it made a difference. And thank you, Lord. They're connected with someone else. So anyways, just kind of parking lot tip you before the senior pastors get up all the ministry that happens before they even open their mouth that you guys all get to be a part of. And it is, it's life-changing, it's meaningful, and it's completely needed in the body of Christ. So I want to encourage you guys. Um, we're going to move on to um, guest relations and um, kind of why you guys all have name tags. I'm sure you're curious. I think I'm just going to yield my time back to Christine because I learned so much from you just then. <laughs> And I just really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I have to get down off this chair. Help her. Somebody help the woman. <laughs> <laughs> My legs were just dangling. It was very uncomfortable. So um, I want to talk just a little bit about following up with what Christine shared. And we ask you to check in today because we are interested in what interests you. So we had you check in and then we ran a report in Fellowship One and Beth, my handy assistant friend here, is going to show us uh, to find out your areas of interest. And this will kind of uh, give you just a little feature of Fellowship One, although we are not promoting or selling Fellowship One, though they do have a vendor booth right outside the door. Oh. 
Oh, sorry, but I'm going to move on. One of the most important, we have one tool that has, I would say, in the six years that my husband and I have been here at New Life, one of the most vital tools is in a little, is a little wicker container back there. Could you bring that up, Sue or Kelly? Yes. This right here. So we had been here a little bit over a year, and one of my responsibilities was guest relations, and I don't even know if I like that term. But anyway, because it sounds a little, I don't know. Just being friendly and loving and welcoming and caring about people. And um, <laughs> so we would, uh, we discovered, we moved here from Oklahoma, from Tulsa, and the people here, though they are wonderful people, in Colorado and at New Life, they didn't really care much about that engaging when they came in the door. Many just preferred to kind of come in and go out and not make eye contact, not have a conversation, not chat, that whole thing. And so we had people that were standing at the door kind of awkwardly, kind of like this. Thank you. You got the picture. And uh, so I'm thinking, this is so awkward. And people don't always want to shake hands because of germs or there's, you know, uh, you can't shake hands with every single person that walks in the door or you have a big line of, no, you can't go past me till you shake my hand. I'm the greeter. <laughs> so I just one Sunday thought, I'm getting some candy baskets. And we just got a variety pack at Sam's, and we started just have, just to have something in your hand, to just go up to somebody and say, good morning, it's so good to see you, would you like a little breakfast, or hi, are you an usher here, here take a mint, or, you know, but just to have something seemed to really break up some of that awkwardness, and people would be so stressed out. I mean, some of the people coming down the hall like, oh my goodness, am I, is that for me, or do you have to be a certain age, or I already had one down there, do, can I take another one over here? And it was a year before people just finally was like, chill out, people. It's candy. Enjoy yourself. We don't keep track. You can have five if you want five. I hide the Mr. Good bars in a corner for me. Yeah, I really do. And I shove them in the outside pocket of my purse before I go into service and enjoy. And we have people now who were so cranky. I'm telling you, six years ago, they wouldn't even look at you. And now they're, they start coming toward me, and I'll say, I've got your Worthers, or the dark chocolate's in the right corner. Uh, we have one table of people older than me that sit in a certain place. I go to them first thing on Sunday morning. This is important. I, I know I'm taking a lot of time on this, but they were like, well, I can't say anything because they might listen to the podcast. But they were... And so I would go to them just every Sunday, and you know who I'm talking about, Pastor Mel. Every Sunday, hey, hey, hey. And now they take, they take more than any child in the children's hallway. And they're like shoving it in their purses and taking all the Twizzlers. And, 
But I'm telling you, this simple act of hospitality and, it, you know, making eye contact, you can actually make eye contact and have a little bit of fun. And sometimes people will tear up and say, oh, I can't believe, oh, I got to tell you this one. I was in, the, I was in the, our living room, our sanctuary, we call it the living room. And I was on one far side of the living room on my way, as Christine said, I had a task, I had to get somewhere. And I looked clear across the room and there was a young man, I couldn't tell that then that he was young, but in a black hoodie, all alone, no one else over in that section, sitting with his arm cro arms crossed and his head down. And I was clear over here, it's going to take me three minutes to get to him. So I was clear over on the other side, and I thought, I ought to take him some candy. Oh, my goodness, look at that guy. He doesn't want candy. He doesn't even want to be here. He doesn't even, he probably doesn't even like people or me. So I'm trying to talk myself out of it. Finally, no. So I went around, and I went all the way around and found his row and went in, and I said, would you like a piece of candy? And he looked, just kind of peeked up out of his hoodie, and he reached in and took a dum-dum, you know, one of those little suckers, took a dum-dum and said, thanks. And I introduced myself, and he told me his name. He didn't really, wasn't real chatty. So I went on about my day. That afternoon, I, when I got home, I opened up Facebook, and there was an inbox message from someone. And I opened it, and it was from him. And he said, I'm the guy you brought the candy to this morning. And he said, thank you for coming all the way you know, across the room to do that. And he, he said, you didn't have to do that, but I could tell you really cared. And he said, thank you so much. So just a few months later, his father was climbing a 14er or whatever. I haven't, I can hardly climb my steps. So I think they're called 14ers. A mountain, a, a big thing like Pikes Peak. A what? A 14,000 feet something. Anyway, so his father was climbing and fell and passed away. And so that boy sent me an inbox again and said, I don't know if you know my dad died today. You're the only person I really know that I can talk to about that. You know, it costs a few hundred dollars a month to do this, but it was worth it for Jason. And then the little old, there was a little old man named Wade who would come down this hallway every Sunday, and I'm, you know, chasing him down with his little wife. They're about four feet tall, you know, just little bent over, sweet people, about 90 years old, and I'm going up, and they're like, oh, no, you know, that's for the little ones. And so I finally persuaded him, and he started taking Tootsie Rolls. So I watched for him every Sunday. You give him a Tootsie Roll. And then his wife came up to me one day and she said, you remember how you used to always give Wade a Tootsie Roll? And I said, yes. And she said, he passed away. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Would you take a Tootsie Roll and let's just think about Wade together this morning? So something like that. It, and I'm sorry I took so much time with it, but I'm really not. Because just the heart of it, something so simple that God can give you that will be s s that thing that can break through the cold, icy, distant for, uh, for people. And then people, I mean, we have like senior executive type people who want to volunteer, and they'll say, I want to do the candy baskets. 
You know, they could run the church, but they want to do a candy basket. So let God give you some, some creative ideas like that. Um, watching, what? Oh, here's our check-in report. So we, Beth ran a report on what your areas of interest were and what did you find out? Okay, so I ran a report and it was based off of check-in alone because we were really interested in you as individuals and, and what part of this you are interested in. And so I wanna show you, this is the report here and it comes out in a PDF. And if you see at the top in the blue strip here, it says breakout. So these, we had seven people, you guys see the seven right here? We had seven people that were interested in just general, this session in general, so all of the things. And I can tell you who they were. Ernest Dunn, Gabe Vogelman, Scott Lee, Jay Murphy. So you guys get the picture, right? And so then we can keep going. The next page is hospitality. And Lance Coles was interested in hospitality. And then we can keep going. We had eight people interested in membership and guest relations. And so we can just go through the list of how that was because because names are important to us people are important to us we want to know who is here that's great now after we've welcomed them in our lobby we've we've got people scattered all over the building roaming at doors and uh, after the service we have guest central which is where we invite the person leading worship each morning will uh, say, we'd like to meet you at Guest Central after the service, and some of our staff and leaders will be there. We have a little gift for you. So we have one of Pastor Brady's books and one of our worship CDs. And so when they come back and we have some pastries, it's not like a sit down and give us 20 minutes of your time. It's just as quick as they want it to be. We say, would you mind doing a guest card? and uh, ask some of the Christine, uh, questions that Christine talked about. So we gather their information. Uh, after the second service each Sunday, Pastor Brady comes back. He doesn't come after the first because he's got to come upstairs and uh, get a drink and, and refresh before he goes down for the second service. But he comes after the second service, and we'll stand there as long as people want to stand and visit. We, at that point, we take the guest card and handwrite an envelope that will mail them the next day a thank you for being here card so we can get to them right away, uh, even before we actually enter all their data into our uh, database. And that card invites them to New Life Next, which is kind of what you would um, maybe consider the membership class dinner with Pastor Brady. And so the card invites them, and then we uh, enter all of their data into Fellowship One. And I don't know that we're going to have time to show you, but we can enter everything in as a visitor card, and we have certain questions that we ask. Are you, because of the community we live in, one is are you military or anyone in your house active duty? We ask that, and we ask what their age group is, if they're interested in connecting in a group, if they want to talk to someone about accepting Jesus, if they have another uh, issue that they'd like a phone call. Um, so those kinds of things we have on our card. And then our database is set up to uh, answer those questions. And we can then see when we open that person's profile, we can see exactly, okay, they have a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old. They're looking for a home church. They live in El Paso County. Boom.
we know exactly what to do with them, transfer that family to our youth department for follow-up. So, uh, so we feel very strongly, uh, and we don't always do it real well, but we feel strongly about if we're asking a question, we should really care that we answer it. So if you say, do you want to talk with someone about accepting Jesus? And then we maybe, oh, you know, I'll, I'm going to have some time maybe next month to call them, you know, because we've got other important things that are going on. So we try to respond very quickly to all of those contacts that we have set up based on their visitor card. So we'll take, once all that information's entered in, then uh, Right now, I assign those to our different staff members, and, and uh, they are notified by email that they have someone that's waiting for a response, and then they respond and record their response. Uh, so that's some of our immediate follow-up with our guests that come. And, you, you know, knowing their names, Pastor Brady really exhorted us a couple years ago, these people have names. These are not... Uh, head count. These aren't um, just people who wandered in. They aren't numbers for sure. Uh, they are, this is Becky. This is Lance. This is Damon. This is, you know, somebody knows my little ch grandchildren's names. And when you can go up to somebody, a lady came to me a couple weeks ago, oh, you've had this happen. And she said, you don't even know my name, do you? And so I said, of course I do. It's Leslie. And she said, I can't believe you know my name. And I was thinking, oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that for me. I, I, it wasn't like a word of knowledge. It was just, it came to me. But when you know people's names, now sometimes when people say that, I say, help me one more time. You know, and that's okay to do that too. Um, but so names are important. And we feel like with our follow-up, all the follow-up we do, and even our uh, database and our systems that we use, they are not to have data. They are to be able to know someone's name. We take their picture, and it immediately ups, uploads into their uh, profile when we have our new member dinner. And then we send a directory out that night of these are all the faces and the names of the people who are interested in coming to New Life. So I've, I've gone way too long. So one of our, um, and nobody said, oh, no, you haven't. Keep talking, Becky. Not one of my friends said that, or my husband. <laughs> Wasn't you? Wasn't you? So when we send a, a transfer, an item uh, for contact, many of those are pastoral care, and my husband and Pastor Mel are going to talk about how they respond. I'm going to ask. I saw Kelly leave just a minute, but I want to see this blue sheet right here. Where are those? It's kind of our write the vision, make it plain. Kelly. Anyway, are they back there somewhere? What I want to share with you is we can become so process-oriented as pastors, so event-oriented, uh, meeting, 
service-oriented that we forget about our role as people leaders and shepherds. And what I want to encourage you to do is focus back on what Peter said. First Peter, he said, I'm, chapter 5, I'm writing to the leaders and the shepherds among you. And as a leader at your church, I want to read something to you that our pastor put in front of us. And you'll go through our offices and you'll see this posted above our computer screens or on our bulletin board at our desk. And it reads like this. Kelly is going to pass it out to you. Maybe, ladies, could you help distribute these? It says, as a leader at the church here, it is a privilege to serve the people of God that he has sent to us. Every person matters and is important to me. Would you say that, just all of you that are leaders in your church, say that with me. Every person matters, Every person matters. and is important to me. And notice, I'm just going to read these that you can follow along. Therefore, as a leader here at the church and one that feels the calling of God to serve God's people, I will pray for them. I will pray with them. I will know their names and stories. I will meet with them often, call them. I'll call them back. That is, you know, one of the, that's just common courtesy, isn't it? If you leave someone a message or send someone an email, don't you kind of, common courtesy says, I, maybe I should hear from you. Maybe I, maybe I should return that phone call. Just little things can make all the difference. I'll call them back. I'll go to their homes, invite them to my home, listen intently, eat with them. And you know that verse, where two or three are gathered, there shall be food. You know that verse, don't you? <laughs> listen to them, eat with them, respond promptly to their emails, answer questions, Visit them in the hospital, mourn with them, celebrate with them, baptize and disciple them, challenge and correct them, forgive them, be patient with them, take them with me, welcome them warmly, introduce them to others, love them sincerely, and then, with any time that may remain, I'll work on conferences, events, and projects. <laughs> events, meetings upcoming special weekends, whatever. And we sometimes go from event to event and we miss all the people in between. And here's the verse that I quoted, 1 Peter 5. I want you to just kind of take this to heart. This is for us, our pastor has given us a Habakkuk 2 moment here. Write the vision and make it plain that those that read with it may run with it. And that's what we try to do with all of our staff here, particularly the pastoral care staff. And whatever, you know, Damon Bailey has the title of facilities, director of hospitality, which includes all campus facilities, all events set up and everything. But as the director of hospitality, he's pastoring. All of the people in this team are pastoring people, are leading people, are shepherding people. And that, I think, is the greatest... Uh, leadership motivation that we can supply to our, our staffs, our volunteers, the team of, of paid and non-paid pastors. Um, also, I, I just there's a couple of handouts here which you will get maybe at, on the way out. There's an overview of our marriage and family vision, and then we do prepare and enrich. Does anybody here in the room use prepare as a part of your ministry? If you don't, we'd like to just encourage you to search through the website at prepare and enrich. We have trained several hundred facilitators in the last six years that work with couples. 
both on a premarital basis and couples that are married, that are with children, that have some conflict, that have a need to grow. The Prepare tool has helped us and provided us with a lot of great resources, which I would like to refer you to. Um, Pastor Mel Waters has been on this pastoral team since uh, the mid-90s. I first met him about six months after he was married. He was major Mel Waters in the United States Air Force and finished his tenure inside Cheyenne Mountain down at the end of the front range here. Went to seminary and came here to New Life. He was a member of New Life while he was in the Air Force, but felt the call to ministry. And I met him six months after his wedding. And uh, he and Betsy were a part of the church that we served in Oklahoma when they came to seminary. But Pastor Mel Waters helps coordinate much of the pastoral care. And I'll let him describe some of the in-depth details of ministering to families that are grieving, minister to families that are mourning. And we've last year uh, had about 48 funerals. And if you do the math, that's about a funeral a week here in our church. I coordinate marriage and family. We had 75 couples that got married here in our church last year. And we helped coordinate their premarital counseling. But I love working with Pastor Mel, and he works with people on a regular basis. Thank you very much, Brother David. Hebrews 9.27 is an interesting verse. It says this, as, is, as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Uh, he talked, David talked about the dozens of funerals that we do. And most people look at it as kind of a dour thing, but the reality of it is it is a great opportunity to touch people's lives, family members. And, uh, for example, I've done a service where I've had as many as 21 people come forward to get saved. I did one service where a guy told me, I think, a dozen or so people joined our church because of the way that they were treated during the entire process. So it is a reality that in the midst of a tough time, we can be there with what Dr. My professor, seminary, professor in seminary called the incarnational presence of Christ, helping people. As ministers, I look at it pretty much, I wrote three things down here. We're to facilitate healing, bring God's presence. But a practical aspect of it is to coordinate between the church and the other agencies. You've got the church, the funeral home, uh, our reservations department, which has got, kept me out of trouble and employed for years. Uh, where do we have the service? How many people are going to be there? We just did a service a few weeks ago. We had, uh, I think, 1,500 to uh, 2,000 people at the service. It was a young teenage boy. Uh, I just did two services. I did one Friday and one Saturday, uh, for one for a man that I've known. Most of the services I do are people that I really don't know in terms of never spent time with them. But I tell people this, that you preach your own funeral by the way that you live. And as a pastor here, I meet a lot of uh, some of the people before the time of death. And uh, one in particular this Saturday, a gentleman named Rex, a godly man. Um, interesting situation. Since January, I, he was the third member of his family that I have buried. Uh, Rex loved God, and his homegoing celebration was a time of people, some of them for the first time ever, hearing the gospel. So in midst of situations like that, we have to do it. Uh, someone once said that uh, if you want to know about death, just wait. <laughs> Head of security. <laughs> I'm sorry, life safety. But what I, what I wrote down here is that we need to help people spiritually, i.e. being born again. Uh, the people that got saved, at, that continue to get saved at the funerals that I do, some of them, it is the only time 
that they've ever had the opportunity to hear the gospel. I tell people this. There are four times that people that don't normally go to church will go to church, and I call it hatch, match, patch, and dispatch. Think about it for a second. A lot of people will come for baby dedications. That's the hatch. The match is uh, weddings. Uh, the patch, counseling sessions. And dispatch is when someone um, passes away. I had a lady out. I was walking through the hallway several years ago, and this lady walked up to me and said, don't I know you? I thought, what a, what a line. <laughs> and she said, <laughs> she said, no, several years ago you did a funeral, and I want you to know that what you said there changed my life. But when I'm up there preaching a funeral, I'm not thinking that, wow, we're changing people's life. But I proclaim the gospel in every service, and a lot of people hear it. And a lot of people receive it. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And as we do these services, we need to look past just the event. We need to look at what it's doing for people's lives. Damon mentioned about Stephen, uh, one of the first deacons. Uh, after, after he became the first, first martyr, I'm the guy they called to take care of the service. But the reality of it is as a result of his martyrdom, many people came to know Christ. And that is the most important thing because one day Jesus is going to return. And all those people that were sitting there waiting in that service are going to have to face him. So whenever I do a service, I want to make sure that they know who the Lord is. Um, we've got a handout for you, and it's going to cover issues. Uh, if you already have the funeral handout, real quick, I'll just go over it real quick. It covers, and you can use this as a sample, a cover letter I give to the family. Oh, she's getting more. We had more people showing up. Wow. Wonderful. Well, I'll just cover it real quick, and I'm out of here. A cover letter covers pretty much material that you give to the family because a lot of people come in and do a pre-needs. I've got people in my file, uh, the names of people in my file cabinet right now. They're not dead yet, but several years ago they came in and said, we want to be ready. You know, I call it the know-before-you-go program. And, uh, <laughs> but I think about this for a second. When someone dies, it's a tough time to be making a lot of decisions. I recommend that they do it beforehand. Uh, I told my boys, if I ever forget to wake up, just look in the file cabinet, and everything's there that you need to know how to do. And so I would encourage you all, folks in your church, to, it's, a, it's not morbid, it's a reality. I believe pre-planning is one of the greatest acts of love that you can do. Okay, we've got a funeral format that you, can, that you have in this packet, and an Initial interview. I tell you, most of the people whose services I do, I, do, I don't know. So tell me a little bit about them. And you'd be amazed when you get a bunch of family members together, the things they say. And then we'll do a pre-funeral interview in terms of how do you want the service? Where do you want the service to be? We have services here, World Prayer Center, the large ones we have with three and 4,000 people in the living room, and memorial funds. Sometimes people don't have the money, and they want to set up a memorial fund, and we teach them how to do that through the bank. After the service, I help them with grief share and different programs like that so that they can get someone into a small group to help them deal with it. But I think one of the most important things I've done here with people who have lost someone is connect them with someone with a similar loss who has gotten past that so that they can help them and walk with them through it. Amen? God bless you. Get our material. If you have any questions, uh, Kelly, talk to Kelly Morgan. She'll give you our card so you can write us, and we can actually send you the uh, computer file of the material if you want to use it. Thank you, Pastor Mel. We have binders for you that we're going to pass out that are uh, talking a little bit about New Life Next, which is the membership uh, dinner evening with Pastor Brady that I mentioned to you. I want to read just... Uh, 
one, two lines of First uh, Timothy three, verse one. Or, uh, yes, verse one says, "If anyone wants to provide leadership in the church, good, but there are preconditions." And you've read that passage, and you can uh, you can go back and read through it. But then verse eight says, "The same goes for those who want to be servants in the church." So we established a process for everyone who wants to, anyone who wants to serve in any area of new life, anything from the cafe to a greeter to an usher to a children's worker uh, to parking lot, in any area, we have them all go through the same process. And that application is toward the back of the binder. Uh, we have decided that we'll just have everyone do the application, and then when they're, they have completed the process, they get a name badge, like we're wearing, only it says volunteer. And once they have their volunteer badge, picture badge, they're free to serve anywhere throughout the building and throughout the different areas of ministry. Because our campus is so open and we don't have a building that is just specifically geared for children, uh, some churches that have that uh, blessing of a separate building for their children, they can maybe have a different process, but our children are throughout the building. And so we've just decided everyone goes through the process. We do uh, the application, a background check, a criminal background check, two references, um, and an interview with that person, and then they come to New Life Next. I want to interject one thing real quick on that. Um, being in the children's world for nine years, on Sunday morning, a greeter would come and say, we know you need help, we just want to serve. And so we would be like, sure, you're a volunteer, just come in and serve. Well, then we would hear later, well, they never went through a background check, and they never went through an interview, and they never went through references, because they were just going to be a greeter. And then we started thinking, when you're a volunteer, you should be able to go in any ministry of the church depending on the ebb and flow of who needs help. So we just decided our children are the most precious thing, and we want to make sure that we're above reproach in saying everybody has been vetted, everybody has been interviewed. We know two references on them. So we started doing it with everybody because you know when you get in a bind, you look at your volunteers and say, you're my key people. I need you to go do this today instead of this. And so just saying that everybody can go in any department uh, retreats would come up and we're like, we need four more people to go on our youth retreat. Well, all these people would be like, we can go do it. And then we're like, they don't have a background check. They don't have this because they were just an usher. So we just started saying everybody in new life church volunteers will do the same thing so that you can, in any split second, be able to go from one ministry to the other. And we've done the same thing for everyone. So that's kind of why we do that now. And Beth is, Beth's going to talk a little bit more about the process one of the things uh, we, in our interview form, and I've got some that I'll, um, we, we didn't pass those out, but I'll get them to you uh, while Beth is talking. But our interview questions, I was looking at them, and I thought, you know what? That is kind of like we did with people who wanted to spend time with our children. You know, we have four children, and guess what? Not everybody got to date them, for heaven's sake. Not everyone got to babysit them, or would they go spend the night at their home? And we had kind of questions that we would go through with people. Um, I mean, it wasn't like an interview, but it kind of was. And so some of the questions we would say would be, so tell me about yourself. You're asking if you can date one of our daughters. Let's sit down here and let's chat a minute. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your past. 
How old are you? What are your plans for the future? When were you born again? Have you ever been arrested? <laughs> so really, you know. And those are the same kinds of questions we ask of everyone who's going to volunteer only in a, uh, we don't grill them like we did as parents with everybody that, yeah, they all made application. So Beth is going to take just a minute and talk about some of the details of our process. Great. Okay, so our volunteers are very important to us, as I'm sure they are very important to you. You know that that's how ministry happens. And so we're really intentional about making sure that people can serve in places that they feel that they have gifts and, and those types of things to do that. Um, and each ministry has a volunteer coordinator that coordinates um, with their specific, and so those she was talking about the interview just now, the people that are doing those interviews, I'm not going to interview someone for children's because at the end of the day, I'm not working in children's every week. So Christine or someone when she did work in that department or someone in the department will actually be volunteering or will be interviewing that specific volunteer. So that's one of the big parts. Um, every volunteer fills out a standard application. We have paper applications. Becky mentioned they're in the back of your New Life Next notebook. Um, and then they are also, we have one online that people can fill out. Um, then the interview with the department coordinator. And then we do two reference calls. We really like those to be phone calls um, to where you can talk to somebody about the person that's coming to volunteer. We just found that having an actual conversation with someone, you can learn a lot about the person that's coming in to volunteer in your ministry. And so, yep, and that's good. Non-family. Um, a lot of people will like to give you their mom and their brother. But we really like to make sure that it's two people that have known them for at least a year, um, non-family, and make an actual phone conversation. The ministry coordinator is doing that part as well. Um, and then we do a background check, um, as many of you probably have set up in or established in your church, but we really just feel like that's really important. And Jeff is going to talk about the importance of security and, and that type of thing in just a moment. Um, and then New Life Next, and you all have that binder. But we like to make sure that people that are volunteering and serving with us really know the heart of what we do and why we do it. And so that's just a one night. We do it one time a month on a Tuesday night. And our senior pastor comes to that and really just shares his heart and his vision for the church. And we really like that all of our volunteers go through something like that so they can know um, just the passion and the, and the heart behind everything that we do here. And that's simple. Um, and then I'll pass it on to Jeff Cal, but I will stay. If you guys have any questions about the a little bit more details in that process, you are more than welcome to come and ask me, and I would love to share that with you. Hi, I'm Jeff Cowell. I'm the director of life safety at New Life Church. Uh, this uh, seminar is called The Nuts and Bolts of Ministry, and I've been left with an unanswered question that I have is whether I was a nut or a bolt. Um, <laughs> I've gotten some pretty unsatisfactory answers to that question, so <clears throat> I think I'm going to leave here without it being answered. Um, life safety ministry um, is comprised of the medical, our medical team and our security team. And um, we believe, uh, and I usually ask people, uh, why did Jesus feed the 5,000? And people pause and, they, and you can see them opening their Bible commentaries and and. And the answer is, is because they were hungry. And, and so we believe in ministering to people, body, soul, and spirit. And um, my favorite book in the Bible and my favorite person in the Bible is Nehemiah. 
And Nehemiah was tasked with a, a huge mission from God to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Um, and while he was doing that, um, he was, they were running into all kinds of distractions. And so in Nehemiah 4, verse 9, it says very simply, it says, we prayed to our God and we posted a guard. And the work continued and was finished because the distractions were eliminated. And so we're here to help create an environment where people can come and fellowship and worship and learn and grow without fear, distractions of any kind, including medical distractions or um, you know, safety problems or, or accidents and stuff. So um, I have a handout um, that I... Okay, and uh, basically what it does is it says who we are and it says we are God's watchmen on the wall. We are protectors of the flock. We are those who will intervene at all costs. We are those who recognize and minimize danger. We are godly, courteous, and professional, either, even when others are not. And we are advisors to the ministry staff on all life safety issues. And to that, um, in the handout, I have what I affectionately call life safety grams. And they're little notices I put out and I send to the staff. And it's to raise awareness. And it covers everything from safe handling of money to keys uh, to offices, to um, we did a thing on cars and, and, and infants in cars during hot weather. Um, you know, just, just the whole gamut of, of just situational awareness. In fact, one of them is called, what color is your awareness? Because on the team, what we do is we do two things. We look for DLRs and we practice aggressive friendliness. So what's a DLR? A DLR is a don't look right. And so when you see someone during your day that just looks at a place, what do you do? Do you walk past that person and say, oh, I don't know? Or do you go engage that person and find out who they are, what they're about, do they need anything, are they new here? So we have our guys looking constantly for the guy in the hoodie with the backpack that looks like he's going on a three-day hiking trip. Um, and we're not going to, we're not running that guy down and tackling him, but we're going to find out who he is, if he needs anything, is he new here, what, you know, all that stuff. And, f and a lot of times we find people who just need ministry. And, and so we call that aggressive friendliness. We call that being proactive in our approach to people rather than reactive. And, and in the security world, it's you can go hunting or you can go fishing. If you go fishing, you wait for a bite. If you go hunting, you get it before it bites you. And so that's the... Um, that's the heart of what we do. We're, we're a fellowship and a family. Uh, we believe in discipling each other so we can disciple others. And we pray before we do anything. We pray for the leaders of our church. Uh, we pray for ourselves. And then we pray for God's uh, grace and protection on all of us. And so with that, and we've been here throughout the conference. Um, they've been creeping around in the backstage areas. And, um, you know, if you see someone that looks like they're watching the grass grow, it's probably one of my guys. Um, <laughs> But they're also here to help. And when they see someone or something that doesn't look right, they want to step in and find out what's going on. And sometimes, and most times, it's just someone wants or needs help or they're out of place. And so that's the heart of life safety. There's a ton of technical stuff that goes involved. We train together. Um, we're very careful about what we do. We, uh, we learn as much as we can. We've got a great uh, cooperation with the community and law enforcement and such and such and the military. So we just kind of bundle that all up together. But I believe it's an active ministry and um, it helps people uh, to know God and walk closely with him. And so that's my heart. And uh, if you have any questions, I'd be more than happy to try to answer them. If I don't know the answer, I'll make something up. 
and uh, and we'll go from there, you know. So. And that's why we love Jeff Cal. Yes. Lindsay, I'm going to ask you to be uh, the roving microphone question taker and. Okay, real quick. I'll echo. We love Jeff and his guys. They're my favorites. Okay, I've got a few door prizes real quick. Who's thirsty in this room right now? Here you go. There's a rhythm. Who's strong? Who's pretty strong? Okay, there you go. Who's a woman who wants to lead? Oh, man. Okay, I'll get you one too. There you go. Who has kids or involved with children's ministry at their church? Okay, you're the first one I saw. Okay, who wants to be a better son and daughter of the Lord? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That was slow. Okay, here you go, Miss Kim. Yes, okay, and um, if you guys have questions, get ready for those because we've got Lindsay. But um, we have our guest central bags. We talked a little bit about that for our new new visitors. Um, We've got a few back here, so if you guys would like to pick one up, it's uh, what we give every visitor that comes into church on Sunday morning. It's the beliefs of the church, some Q&A stuff, a gift, either a CD or a book from the pastor. So, oh, both. It has both. So there's some back there, and um, I'll get you a Let Her Lead book. Does anyone have any questions? And if not, that's fine. Okay. Yes, sir. Um, I really don't need a microphone. Oh, I forgot about the recording. My name's Michael, and I go to Mountain Springs Church, which is about 15 minutes away. You guys are my home away from home. And it's not a question. It's feedback for you guys. From a hospitality standpoint, you guys really do it right. It is absolutely phenomenal. I've been coming here to leadership conference in the desperation for a few years now, and I'm only here two, three, four times a year, yet everyone I talk to remembers my name, and they're very kind, and it extends from Brady all the way down through the volunteers, and it's phenomenal. I think our church has learned from you, and I think a lot of other churches can learn from you on how to do that right, because hospitality is the most important thing, because you don't know where these people are coming in from. You know, and at Mountain Springs, I encourage our hospitality people to always smile and be warm with their greetings to people. And I just wanted to thank you guys for setting that example. Right back there in the yellow. Damon. Hi, Damon. (laughs) I have a question for you. Um, How often the communication to the volunteers that you have um, in your team of hospitality, how often does Pastor Brady um, encourage them or talk to them, and how often does it just get to come from you? Most of the time it's coming from us. Um, Brady does a great job of empowering everybody in their areas to to lead, and he trusts us. Uh, So Brady on occasion does come down, I think, to every department and, and, and share his heart and encourage us, but he really uh, expresses a lot of trust in us to be able to lead our teams. And so uh, I have a great leadership team that, that helps me out, and, and, and so we're able to do that on a daily basis. And in our monthly meetings, I might add, Damon, Pastor Brady speaks to the all, all of our team every month. So at least once a month, everybody hears from our pastor. The, the, one of the things that we've learned over the years is if it takes the pastor to keep people motivated, 
they won't stay motivated very long. So they really do have to build relationship with the department leaders in order to uh, be able to stick with it week after week after week. We do a volunteer party at least annually where we have all the volunteers come together and it is a party. It's not a teaching meeting, you know, it's, uh, it's a party to celebrate them and we do big fun door prizes and that kind of thing. Um, I kind of have a two-part question with security. How is it that from parking lot in the door into sanctuary, do you guys kind of prepare yourself for um, smelling the smoke before the fire and the flames kind of start from those people? And then also within the children's world, do you guys have something set up wise to kind of keep your staff volunteer set and secure for any kind of incidents? Um, do you have that like where there's cameras in the room, security-wise, do you have a security person that stays in that room, kind of things like that? We have, um, we start early in the mornings. Uh, the security or the life safety process goes on all week. Uh, we gather information. Uh, life, New Life Church is a popular place. It's uh, often in the news. It's uh, one of the uh, Christian tourist locations here in Colorado. And uh, that being said, um, it's also the uh, item of interest for a lot of different groups and types of people. So we go out and try, uh, we've got quite a, a group of people that are very good at gathering information. So we try to get a picture of what the week's gonna look like. Uh, we get here early in the morning. Well, we have people outside in the parking lots. Uh, we also have people up in the children's areas uh, that roam around looking for the DLRs, looking for the, I mean, in, in the children's area, the only groups of people that really need to be up there are the kids, the teachers, and the parents. And so um, we, just, we just keep an eye on things. We're there to support the, the teachers in their need and any of the kids uh, that have any, uh, any kind of issues. And then we have folks in the, in the sanctuary uh, that are strategically seated around during the services. Uh, we have active foot patrols through the church and around the church. So we're, um, we, you know, we, I, like I said, we have a lot of technical terms for it. Um, we have zones that we cover. Uh, we prioritize them. Uh, we look for what's in the news. Uh, we respond to the leadership of the church and their concerns. Um, so we, you know, it, it requires a lot of work um, and a lot of preparation and a lot of people. So we, uh, we actively recruit uh, and we uh, try to be ready. We have communication system that hooks us all together. As you know, this is a large place, and so shouting down the hallway doesn't work. So we have um, we have radios, and we're all radioed up, and we do talk to each other quite a bit. And even the guys inside, um, sitting with their families, are, are all radioed up and ready to go. And we strategically place them so they can cover different areas and respond to different situations that could arise. Another thing I'll add to that, um, when you guys checked in, you all got this code. So every child that checks in has a code. And if an adult is walking down our children's hallway and they're not wearing this or this isn't seen, then we ask them, do you have a check-in? Do you have your parent tag? We don't let any adult in any children's room, period, unless they have this. So a lot of our families know that after they check their kids in, they just put it on them. So as they're walking around, it's not this awkward, who are you, who do you belong to? So this is that. And then also, if you look on that door, there is um, a laminated sheet of paper 
right there. Jeff and his team made this for all of our children's rooms. And this is our shelter-in-place protocol. So if there is a uh, shelter-in-place, any type of thing, that is shelter-in-place would be if there is um, an emergency that you need to keep all the kids in a room and lock the door, or if you need to evacuate all the kids. That is in every single room in our whole building. Um, there's a lot of windows, and this can go over the windows of the doors so that blacks out the window. And so it tells the teachers inside what you do. Um, so after a situation we had on our campus, Jeff and his team made that. And our leaders and volunteers feel very safe when we say, inside your room, your instructions are there, you know. And we practice drills like this throughout the year. We have a few fire drills and shelter-in-place drills. That children's team, um, I think what we've talked about, unity and collaboration is kind of the key. Because our team can't do what we do without security being actually the leaders of it. Because they're the ones that we need their expertise. Um, we can't do events without hospitality because they're the expertise on what the campus can provide and what equipment we have. So um, that's that. We'll do one more question, then we'll dismiss you guys to your next group. Thank you for all you've shared today. A uh, question about the badges. I like the idea for every volunteer. Where do you store those, and how, what do you do with them? We, we actually give them to them. They take them home, and they're responsible for them. We do in our cafe, I've noticed, they hang them back up at the end of their shift, so I think maybe they'd forgotten them enough that they put a system in place where they just leave them here. And some do that. We've got a drawer that some people toss their badges in, but uh, they're responsible for them. So in the security team, we have what we call the donut badge. So if you forget your badge, we have this really bright orange badge, and all it says is security on it, and that entitles you to buy donuts for everybody for the next Sunday. <laughs> so it's a great motivational tool, and we have very few people forgetting their badges. And another thing security does on Sunday is they keep all of us accountable for having our badges. So instead of me going around to volunteers being like, where's your badge? Security walks around to people even though they know them. Hi, what's your name? What are you doing in our classroom today? Oh, I, I don't think I know you. You don't look like you belong. Go get your badge. So we can print off a name tag. But security helps us make sure that if you're in a classroom, so it lets the parents know that we know who these people are, they have a name tag or a badge on. So security goes around throughout the whole morning and looks in all the rooms and does that. So oh. everybody, yeah, everybody who is in some form of leadership, the colors look different. The titles are different. Um, his is red because he's security. Um, he, I don't know if, I, never mind. Yeah, volunteers are green. Um, and we, <laughs> yeah, he's bipolar. changes color. Bipolar. <laughs> We, we try to tell the, the people that volunteer, uh, it's not a punishment to say, wear your badge. We're saying we want to identify you to the entire congregation as a leader. So wear your badge because uh, that's, that designates you as a leader. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for being here. We've got a gift for you back there at the table. Uh, Kelly and Michelle, there's another session coming in. If we run out of bags, we'll get more. So uh, bless you. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Yeah.